0: So hey guys, welcome back. We have another podcast today. is going to be with a fantastic man uh, that I heard in a podcast uh, a while back, and his name is Charles uh, Hancock, and he is the vice president of the Southwest Association of Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, he also is a Cochise County and Sierra Visa, uh, Sierra Vista, uh, resident. Uh, Also, before we get going, again, Charles, because he's got a fantastic story and we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Soldiers, I want to thank my friends over at the Tombstone Epitaph. Uh, Again, subscriptions are really reasonable at $25 a year or $60 for three years. And uh, if you want a part of Tombstone history delivered right to your door, go to uh, www.tombstoneepitaph.com. And that is the tombstoneepitaph.com. I also want to thank my friends at the WWHA, the Wild West History Association. Uh, their roundup is coming up in Rapid City and South Dakota and Deadwood. Uh, it's going to be in July. And if you're interested in joining the Wild West History Association, you can do so by going to wildwesthistory.org. And that's wildwesthistory.org. So the reason um, for today's podcast is I heard Mr. Hancock on another podcast and I was like man there's got to be a bigger story than than he's letting on and and he is he's got a bigger story way more than what uh, he shared the first time a brief bio about uh, Charles Hancock because he's the vice president of the Southwest Association of Buffalo Soldiers he has spent 30 years active duty in the U.S. Army thank you sir for your service we appreciate you very much uh, he is 12 years as a civil servant training specialist. He's been married for 52 years to wife Krista. They have two children, one grandson. Congratulations! A daughter who lives in Phoenix and a son who lives in Tampa, Florida. He's also an arbitrator mediator for the Cochise County. He's a member of the Cochise County Foster Care Revival Board, and he's lived in Sierra Vista since 1985. So he's got a huge background. He's super well-known in the area. And again, sir, we thank you for your service. It's, um, we appreciate everything you do for our country.
1: Sure thing. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.
0: Sure. Um, so you're, you're, you're cruising through life. You're cruising through the military. And somehow maybe a sign or something came up to where you said, oh, Buffalo Soldiers, I want to be a part of that. Is that true? Were you in Sierra Vista serving and you saw something? Or how did you get involved?
1: I arrived in Fort Huachuca in January 1985. When I arrived here, there was a sign saying, Welcome to Fort Huachuca, home of the Buffalo Soldiers. Well, that caught my attention. Who were the Buffalo Soldiers? I wanted to know more about them. At the time, there was a large statue at the main gate, Uh, Fort Huachuca, the Buffalo Soldiers, this huge 13 or 14 foot, you know, replica of a Buffalo Soldier. So I wanted to know more about the Buffalo Soldiers. So I started to do some research and that has taken me on a journey to France. You know, I really did some research in France on the Buffalo Soldiers. I've been to Belgium to do more research on World War II Buffalo Soldiers. So that's what uh, piqued my interest once I arrived here at Fort Huachuca.
0: So when you got into the Buffalo Soldiers and got, you know, really starting to drill down into the history of it, were you surprised at anything? Were there anything that you found? Because we're going to talk about the Buffalo Soldiers in depth in a minute, but was there anything that you found that was really surprising that with World War Two, World War One, Civil War that connected them or were they, was it something, was there anything found that was so interesting, you couldn't pass up on it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, the Buck-Turned Buffalo Soldier wasn't used during the Civil War. That was used, started in 1866. But I've read a lot of military history surrounding World War One, World War Two. I've seen lots of movies, World War One, World War Two. But you know, Mike, I never saw a black soldier in those movies. I watched the movie Patton, I don't know how many times. George, you know, Patton. Mm-hmm. There's only one black soldier in that movie. And that was Patton's ba- Ballet. So I watched Saving P- Private Ryan, uh The Band of Brothers, there were never any black soldiers in those movies. The D-Day invasion, I had heard that there were no black soldiers on Omaha and Utah Beach. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of uh, combat soldiers on uh, participated in D-Day. So I don't know why the United States decided to leave all of those stories of the African-American soldiers out of the history books or whatever. But they played an important role in winning World War One as well as world war Two, and i wanted to delve into that and, and, and see for myself you know what was happening not taking third-hand you know accounts i wanted to see firsthand that's why in 2018 that was the anniversary of the end of world war one and i really didn't know what to expect you know when i when i thought i would hear a lot of dignitaries talking about the battles but when i arrived in france this group, they wanted to talk about the 365th and the 370th infantry regiment. Those were African American regiments. That's who they, this, this group that I participated in. Those are the soldiers they wanted to talk about and the participation that those soldiers contributed in the villages and the towns that they served. And then, and actually they erected a monument in France in honor of the black soldiers. And this is the only monument that's dedicated to African Americans in all of Europe for World War One's located in France, and I did the same thing in Belgium uh, to see to check on the Battle of the Bulge. So.
0: Wow! So they they were left out of history almost on purpose because it was it's too many too many movies and too many people that are involved in history and yet the African American soldier is left out of history. Oh, absolutely. Is it, is it getting easier as time goes on and, and attitudes change and generations pass away? Is it getting easier to talk about it? Is it getting more, um, acceptable? Is it, is African American soldiers now becoming more to the forefront?
1: I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of <clears throat> descendants, of uh, even um, the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, back in January, I was in Nogales, and I'll talk about that more during the, the podcast here. So when I go to Nogales, Arizona, mm-hmm. starting in 1985, once I arrived here at Fort was sure I saw a lot of Mexicans. Okay, but it never dawned on me that. A lot of those descendants of Buffalo soldiers still live in Nogales, Arizona wow. today. And we had a celebration there the first weekend in January, and at almost every place I went, they introduced themselves. Oh. So, hi, I am the grandson or granddaughter or the great grandson or granddaughter of a Buffalo soldier. That gave me a different perspective of the Buffalo soldiers here in the state of Arizona. I learned more about, you know, them, you know, within the last, you
0: know, month or so. Wow. So let's dig in a little bit to the history of the Buffalo Soldier. You ready? Uh, okay. The, okay. The, the term Buffalo Soldiers, mm-hmm. there is a lot of discussion about the name. And and you and I spoke about the name, you know, whether it's the type of hair or the, the appearance that they look, um, that they look like buffaloes that they fought with tenacity and strength. I, I choose the latter one, and-, and correct me if I'm wrong, where you know, the men wore thick buffalo hide coats in the wintertime, and-, and their pride and their fighting strength, the Indians and Native Americans said they look like buffalo soldiers. They look like buffalo. Is that uh-huh. true, or am I way off?
1: No, 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 you're not way off. Because most of what we know about the term buffalo soldiers is really oral history. So I would like to share with you a, a story that was actually written by a 10th Cavalry hmm. company commander. Please do. Okay. And this story involves a buffalo soldier of the 10th Cavalry by the name of Josh Randall. Randall had been assigned to escort two civilians on a buffalo hunt. So shortly after the three men departed the installation, they were attacked by approximately 70 Cheyenne Indians. The two civilians were killed immediately. Randall's horse was shot from underneath him, so he, uh, sought cover and started to defend himself. When reinforcements from the, the army fort arrived, Randall had killed 13 Indians. Don't know how many were wounded because the wounded were able to uh, ride away. Later on in the day, when the Indians started to tell about, tell their story about this new breed of soldiers that they had encountered, one who fought like a wounded buffalo. Hmm. We shot him. We stabbed him, but like the great buffalo, he would not die. So that's a story that was written, actually written by a tenth calvary commander now is that how the term buffalo soldier originated we don't know some of those other stories you mentioned about the hair okay i've heard that i don't know how many times that's a possibility but that's all oral history so we really don't know Mm -hmm. i like you agree with the fighting tenacity that the, the soldiers displayed or whatever that's probably why they were given that name buffalo soldier and since the buffalo was um uh, uh, sacred animal, you know, to the Indians, the soldiers of the Tenth Cavalry did not take that as a derogatory term. So, in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen nineties, all four colored regiments they adopted the nickname Buffalo Soldiers, and I've never heard of any of them complaining about that name. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it makes sense as as they moved on and they were named Buffalo Soldiers, they, they began to form um, true, and because I'm not in the military, so I'm going to expect you, sir, to say, again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I that's the way I learn is by, by being corrected. As they as more and more men began to volunteer and become part of the military, they got moved into different cavalries and infantries. And they became fighting fighting units. Okay. How did that process begin? How did the process begin that, that goes from from signing up? They didn't just sign up and go into a uniform and go fight. How did the process begin to, that they became a fighting unit in the military?
1: Okay. Well, we know that we had African American soldiers fought in the Civil War. So when the Civil War ended in eighteen sixty five. In 1866, the Congress authorized the creation or formation of six all-colored regiments to be part of a regular peacetime army. Now, these soldiers would become, uh, as the soldiers we know today, they would fall under the purview of the, the president and the United States Congress. So they are regular army soldiers. Congress authorized the creation of two african uh, colored And and the term colored was used in the 1800s to describe the African American. Mm -hmm. So if I use the term, you know, colored, black or African American, they're all synonymous. But Congress authorized the creation of two cavalry units and those regiments were the ninth cavalry and the 10th cavalry. There were four infantry regiments. Those regiments were the 38th, 39th, 40th and the 41st Infantry Regiments. Now the 38th and the 39th, they uh, combined and consolidated to form the 24th Infantry while the 40th and 41st they merged and became the 25th Infantry. So the 9th and 10th cavalry, the 24th and the 25th Infantry, those are the four regiments be- who that became known
0: as the Buffalo Soldiers.
1: But so in they,
0: eight, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I thought so you were taking when, a, a breath for dramatic effect.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so these soldiers, they they enlisted. There was no draft in the 1800s. So these soldiers, they enlisted voluntarily. They enlisted for a term of five years, and they were paid a private entry of the army at $13 a month.
0: But now, when they signed up, though, when they signed up, excuse me, I apologize. Sure. When they signed up, they thought that they were signing up, you know, they were going to be given their freedom. That right. That Part. they were going to have shelter, uniforms, Correct. clothing, food.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And so they signed up freely to protect a country or to fight for a country that partly didn't want them there and some wanted them there and some didn't. How did they overcome that?
1: You know that's a good question. A lot of people ask that the same questions today. what was it today? What was it about those men? I can't answer that Mike, but I am so, so ever so thankful that they endured. They put up with the hardships of the 1800s. If you think about it, they right after the Civil War. All of the all of the soldiers would be colored, but all of the officers were white. Mhm. Now the army had a a problem enlisting enough white soldiers at the time to command black soldiers. A lot of the soldiers, uh, they felt that they would be chastised or made fun of by their superiors or supervisors or friends if they commanded black soldiers. A lot of the soldiers of the officers that did enlist, they were primarily southern uh soldiers or southern southern officers, and they treated these soldiers very, very harshly. so and, what they did and how mm-hmm. they endured uh it's amazing even to today what they endured what they went went through
0: and they were lied to because in oh, there I- was there was a discussion that I, or a part that I read in my research for you and today is that they were lied to. They were promised their freedom only for a, an officer to turn around and say, nope, you're not getting your freedom.
1: Well, you know, Mike, it's the same thing with... You see, during that period of time, what we call the Indian Wars, and I think it should be called the Apache you know Wars. Mm-hmm. See, so the Army did the same thing with the Apache. They enlisted the Apache as their scouts, promising them their freedom, a lot of uh, you know, uh, rewards and everything. Once the war was over, they confiscated all of the guns and said, now you can keep your horses, but all these other promises of land and other amenities, that's off the table. You take your horses and go back to your reservation. So the army reneged not only on the African Americans, but the Indians and other people that volunteered their services, you know, for the the army.
0: So then something happened in 1869, Okay. As we're moving forward in history. And okay. that is the 9th and 10th Cavalry and the 24th and 25th were combined. I think it was
1: 1869. The 20, Well, the 24th and the 25th, they were never combined. They were all set. They were they, they were separate.
0: separate. But the 9th and yes. 10th were brought into them, correct?
1: No, no, no. The 9th and 10th remained separate. Okay. And... 24th and the 25th there see they when the infantry regiments were formed there were the 38th the 39th the 40th and the 41st those were the infantry now the 38th and the 39th they combined and they formed the 24th oh the, yeah the 40th and the 41st they combined and they formed the 25th
0: and it's mentioned that they ended up moving becoming in the army of texas is that correct
1: Well, Buffalo soldiers, they actually served in all of the territory west of the Mississippi. Okay. Of course, that didn't include Texas. Mm -hmm. So the 24th and the 25th, they served in Texas. The 9th and 10th, they served in Texas.
0: So they were, they were definitely in Texas and they were all west of the Mississippi
1: all the buffalo soldiers were west of the mississippi because there were there was no fighting in 1866 on the east coast the civil war was over in 65 Mm -hmm. so there was no fighting all of the fighting in 66 and beyond and beyond happened on west of the uh of the mississippi that was all indian territory manifest destiny was uh, at the forefront so part of that movement was to remove the Indians from Indian uh, territory and lands mm-hmm. and open that up for the westward expansion was, as I said, part of Manifest Destiny.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Now, you and I had spoke about a woman mm-hmm. who I find don't, and when you tell the story, don't leave anything out because I, <laughs> I want I want it all. I want everything. I want want everything Charles can give.
1: Okay, Kathy referring to Kathy Williams.
0: Yes, but in 1866, a woman named Uh Kathy Williams is it's Kathy or Kathy? Kathy. Kathy Williams. She decides she's born a slave, 1844, in Jefferson, Uh Missouri. Right. And as she becomes a woman, she decides to enlist in the Buffalo Soldiers or in the Army. Tell that story, because that story is phenomenal, of, of woman empowerment and just beating the odds.
1: Okay. Well, like you, they told, you yeah, where, when and where she was born. So even during the Civil War, Kathy was in a, a unit that was commanded by General Sherman. And we know about Sherman's march state. You know, through Atlanta or whatever. So Kathy knew the comings and goings of the military and how soldiers acted, reacted. The females were considered contraband back in the 1800s, and they were not allowed to join the military. So Kathy disguised herself as a man, put on baggy pants, hat, and everything. And since physicals were not required at that time, Kathy was allowed to join the 38th Infantry. Now, see, the 38th had not merged at that time. They were still separate. They were part of the 38th Infantry. So Kathy joined the 38th Infantry in 1866 as William Kathy. She just reversed her name from Kathy William to William, you know, Kathy. I said, physicals were not required at the time. No one knew she was a female, so she was allowed to serve for two years, from 1866 to 1868. Kathy went on all the patrols that the men went on. She performed all the duties that the men performed. But Kathy had some medical issues during that time. She was on sick call, as we call it at that time. But there was nothing serious until 1868, where she was sick enough to require medical attention. And it was at that time that Kathy was discovered that she was a female and she was honorably discharged in 1868 but without attention.
0: But her story, so with Kathy- her story is more, I think, you know, for me, it's more than just signing up and doing, it was a sense of empowerment. She was doing something that most women didn't do.
1: Oh, absolutely, because most women at that time, especially when they were around Army camp, they were, what do you call them, uh, they were saintstress, they were cooks, wash women, et mm-hmm. Those are the duties that they performed. Kathy wanted more out of life than that. And one thing, you know, Mike, will say about why people join the Army, it's opportunity, Mike. The Army gave people an opportunity to be more than they were prior to enlisting. So that could have been a, a reason why Kathy wanted to join the Army, is for an opportunity to better herself, to do something more than wash clothes and cook.
0: That's crazy. That is great. I, and I love that. I read that story a couple of times. Was she a cook or was she just general infantry?
1: Oh, once she joined the Army? No, she was a regular uh, regular wow. soldier. She was a cook before she joined the gotcha.
0: Army. Gotcha. So she's doing all this, and then she gets discovered. When she's discovered, they give her an honorable discharge, but she doesn't get to, no retirement, no, no money?
1: No retirement, uh, uh, no disability, although Kathy, uh, she had, She suffered from diabetes, so she had several feet—I mean toes—removed. So Mm. Kathy had a disability, but when she applied for a disability, uh, it was denied.
0: Were there any other women, famous women, or women of empowerment, that did things and joined the um, the Buffalo Soldiers, or was she the only one?
1: Kathy is the only known female Buffalo Soldier, but if you mention. All oh, the women, there were a lot of women who joined the, uh, do, uh, during the, enlisted during the Civil War mm-hmm. who disguised themselves as men. Although Molly Pitcher, Molly Pitcher, you know, uh, her husband was an artilleryman. He was wounded and killed in battle. Molly did not have to disguise herself. She took over his job as a cannoneer, as a female. Mm-hmm. When the war was over, Molly applied for a pension and was granted a, a pension. There were over 400 other women during the Civil War who pretended to be a men. A lot of those women, after the Civil War was over, they applied for a pension and received it. But for some reason, Kathy, with a known disability, several toes had been amputated. Her disability was disapproved.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. So moving forward, I read something that in 1877, the Buffalo soldiers were moved in to help establish order in the frontier, almost like police officers of the frontier. Okay. Uh Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Well, before then, the the eighteen sixty six started these colored regiments. Okay, mm-hmm. shortly after the, say the ninth, let's start to trying to put them in some sort of order, if you will. So the ninth cavalry, they stood up in New Orleans, Louisiana. After they stood up in New Orleans, they completed their training. They were sent to Texas. This was the ninth cavalry. And part of their primary mission was to protect and patrol the roads and territories between San Antonio and El Paso. Now that's a long stretch of, of, of territory. That was part of the ninth original, uh, assignment to protect, you know, those roads and territories from El Paso to, to San Antonio. Now the 10th Cavalry was also in Texas along with the 24th and the 25th. But they all
0: had different roles, you know, at that time. Hmm. But they were taking care. They were. They were that. My my head is spinning. You got my head spinning, Charles, because there's so much that they did, and they did so without. That's the part that boggles my mind. Is they did so without question, and I know that men in, that may be listening in the military said that that's well. That's what the military. You know, they they're patriots. They're so patriotic that they just put themselves. You know, put country first. And if I'm wrong, let me know that I'm wrong. But You're right, so far. But I'm blown away at, at a country that really didn't want them, but some did and some don't. And they just went in and did this. They just, you know, they went in and fought for their country and they did so patriotically. How There were people that won some amazing awards. I read about a man, and, and let me know if, um, if you can tell the story. His name was August Wally, and he was the Spanish-American War Medal of Honor winner. Okay. Do you know about him?
1: Okay, well, the Spanish-American War. We'll we'll fast forward to 1898 Spanish-American War. Okay? Sure. So that was Teddy Roosevelt's war, right? The charge up San Juan Hill? Okay, so it was July 1898 Spanish-American War. All four regiments of Buffalo Soldiers, the 9th and 10th, 24th, and the 25th, they were all at San Juan in in Cuba. That's the only time all four regiments actually fought together, the Spanish-American War. Teddy Roosevelt, who was a colonel at the time, his mission was to secure Kettle Hill. Let me repeat that. It was Kettle Hill. So when the battle unfolded, the color sergeant, that's the guy who, who carries the unit's flag and who's always out front leading the unit. Mm-hmm. He was mortally wounded, killed. George Berry, who was a, the color sergeant for the 10th cavalry, picked up the colors of the flag for the, the, uh, the, the third, the third cavalry. And George Berry led Teddy Roosevelt, the Rough Riders and the 10th cavalry up Kettle Hill. Once Kettle Hill was secured, Roosevelt turns his attention to now San Juan Hill, where there's a battle going on on San Juan Hill. The soldiers of the 24th and the 25th infantry, they are on San Juan Hill. And there was a private by the name of Thomas Butler, who was one of the first soldiers to reach the summit of Kettle Hill, enter the blockhouse and capture the Spanish flag. Buffalo soldiers. Mm-hmm. There were six Buffalo Soldiers who received the Medal of Honor during that during that battle.
0: And what were all their names?
1: Oh, I don't remember all oh. of their names.
0: So, because I skip forward, I have a feeling I left out some history in the middle. Do you want to? Oh, absolutely. F- do you want to fill that <laughs> in? Because I anyway, somebody's going to say there's a hole. There's a hole in this podcast. Fill in that history. You got all the time.
1: Well, from 1866 to 18, uh, 1898, yeah, there's a, a long gap, you know, there. Um, you missed, let's see, where do we want to start?
0: I'm going to leave it to you.
1: I mean, yeah, okay, I mentioned there were 18 Buffalo soldiers who were awarded the Medal of Honor. Right. Three of those soldiers received their Medal of Honor here in the state of Arizona, so I can talk about those Those okay. three. <laughs> The first one, his name was Isaiah Mays, and there was Sergeant Benjamin Brown. They were, those were both in the same unit. So this happened, like, say, 18... Damn, 1887, 18, 18, 18, whatever. The paymaster, Joe, Major Joseph Wham, he was riding between Army Post at Fort Grant and Fort Thomas in present-day Safford. When a group of bandits led by the mayor of Safford at the time and several of his buddies, they ambushed the payroll. So there were 11 Buffalo soldiers. They were guarding, you know, the payroll. Mm-hmm. One of these men, was Isaiah Mays, and the other one was Sergeant Brown. Both of these men were wounded, you know, during that battle. Mays was shot in the leg, both legs, but yet he was able to walk, run, crawl for over two miles to notify the nearest ranchers that there was a an ambush going on so for his dedication his participation in that battle Mays what received the, the medal of honor his friend uh sergeant benjamin brown was also wounded twice He was wounded in the abdomen shoulder whatever and major wham had to order him off the battlefield he was you know so severely wounded so those two soldiers received their nullabiles here in the state of Arizona. <clears throat> the third soldier's name was William McBriar. McBriar actually won his fighting Indians uh, in the, the San, uh, the San, on the San Carlos Indian Reservation. So those three Buffalo Soldiers were awarded of the Medal of service here, specifically in the state of
0: Arizona. Wow. There's got to be more. That can't be it. You got me right on the edge of my seat. Anything else happened in Arizona with the soldiers?
1: Oh, there were a lot. Talk about the Buffalo soldiers here at Fort Huachuca now. The Buffalo soldiers actually arrived here in Fort Huachuca in 1892, and they remained here until 1931, but they were not here at the same time. Mm. The 24th Infantry, excuse me, had a frog in my throat here. The 24th Infantry, they arrived here in 1892, and they were followed by the Ninth Cavalry, then by the Twenty Fifth Infantry, and the Tenth Cavalry arrived here in nineteen thirteen, and they remained here until nineteen thirty one. So they were here the longest period of time. Man. Yeah. So the so in during that period of time, let's see what had happened during that period of time. Pancho Villa raided, uh, came across the border, the Mexican border in nineteen sixteen. It raided a town in Columbus, New Mexico, killing about 11 civilians there. The Mexican government authorized the United States to cross the border, the Mexican border, and pursue Pancho Villa. That expedition was led by Black Jack Persian. Charles Young was the third African-American cadet to graduate from West Point. Charles Young was stationed here at Fort Huachuca. So he was a part of the 10th cavalry. They rode from Fort Washoe all the way over to Columbus, New Mexico, where they met up with the Black Jack Persian, crossed the border into Mexico, and they spent approximately a year chasing Pancho Villa. So that's one of the, the uh, incidents here in the state of Arizona. Wow.
0: The the Buffalo soldiers, as they moved into the 1900s, still were serving in both World War I and World War II, correct? Correct, yes. And then as they moved into World War I, was there still any problems with the serving? Because I read that the French were almost an open arms, welcome. Uh-huh. But other soldiers in other areas not so welcome. Is that correct?
1: okay so 1917 believe we the american expeditionary force went into france to serve in world war one mm-hmm. the army was segregated at the time and mm-hmm. here again black jack persian was the commander of the expeditionary force black jack persian has served with buffalo soldiers of the 9th and 10th Cavalry, so uh, persian knew the fighting capacity and the tenacity of the buffalo soldiers yet when persian arrived in france whether he was carrying a letter signed by president wilson but that letter in part read to the french At first, the the french wanted the americans to join forces had merged with the french army and which persians said no we'll fight as a separate unit except oh by the way these colored soldiers over here you can have these colored soldiers so that's how the colored soldiers were uh, integrated into the french army they retained their american uniforms but they wore the blue french helmet they uh, were issued french weapons french rations and they fought side by side with the French army. They were the forward guard for the French army. They were the first Americans to win one of France's highest military award, which is called the Croix de Guerre, or the Cross of War. These men served the longest number of days in combat than any unit in World War I. They were on the battlefield for six consecutive months without any rest or recuperation. Uh, what
0: else about these these guys? Oh. Amazing, amazing. Uh-huh. Is there anything in between? Because I don't want to leave anything out. And and hopefully, and just so you know, we're almost at forty minutes. It goes by fast. Oh. Um, oh yeah,
1: okay.
0: And I'm hoping if you guys are listening that I can talk and sweet talk Mr. Hancock into coming back to do this again. Um, yeah, because see,
1: there there's so much, Mike. Each I know one of these individuals. The- but I talk about it can take over an hour just for one
0: one story. Well, and that's the thing is that there's so many stories, and it's going to sound like cliche, of like awesomeness, amazing service. And, and, I, and I've got questions, but I know that we're leaving out a ton of it in this one. And hopefully you'll come back and do it again, I hope. Um, sure thing. Because there is so much history there that needs to be shared in the one spot. And we're trying to do enough of it as we can within the first 45 minutes or so.
1: Well, what we can do probably if we want to focus on one individual, like the first African-American cadet. Yes. To graduate from West Point, 1887, Henry Flipper, Henry Flipper became the first African-American officer in the peacetime army. So there's a, excellent story about henry flipper
0: well and there's so many amazing i i was reading about uh where the heck is he i was reading about a man named george jordan sergeant george, george jordan,
1: jordan. Right. Mm-hmm. Not company
0: k and a medal of honor winner can you tell mm-hmm. us about him
1: I don't know that much about Jordan. There were two of those soldiers, Sergeant Jordan, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. and Johnson. Both of them were Ninth Cavalry. Now, I never dealt, I did not dig deeply into their actual battles. Mm-hmm. And I think that battle took place in, in, my, in Montana. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I did not delve into those That's two okay. individuals.
0: That's all right. Well listen, we have if you're gonna come back, we're we'll do plenty of those. I was actually thinking about, you know, you and I talking and we getting together actually and going down a list of you know ten amazing men who served or women that served during the period um mm-hmm. and breaking down each of their stories. Okay. When mm-hmm. sure. when we, we can do that. When we moved into we're going to go forward into World War II.
1: World War II.
0: Okay. When was it signed, when was the paperwork signed that we're going to disband the Buffalo Soldiers because we're ending segregation? Well, in
1: 1948, that's when Truman signed the executive order eliminating segregation in the military, 1948.
0: And then I thought it he signed it, but it took a full three years for it to finally go into effect.
1: Well, that's true, because nothing happens overnight in the military. So it took time for all of those units to be disbanded and merged into other units. So the last segregated unit was not disbanded until, I think, 1951 or 1953 in Korea. That's when the last segregated unit was so yeah it took from 48 to uh, nineteen fifty I on my notes I have 1953 is when the last probably so
0: unit. probably so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with your notes cuz uh, you're going to be I'm always going to side with Charles Hancock um but did they want it did the soldiers want it or were they proud to be in the buffalo soldiers um as a unit did they want the what did they want it to end and I get that it was end of segregation, and that part is important because then you're uh-huh. you're more of an equality equal. But did uh-huh. they want it to go away, or were they so proudful that the men thought, "I don't want this to stop"?
1: Well, that's a sixty four thousand dollar you know question, you know Mike. The soldiers wanted to to, be, to wanted to serve in an integrated unit. They did not want to serve in a segregated unit. So they wanted to be integrated. But there was the Army who was a stumbling block. See, in nineteen forty and 1941, this is prior to 1948, of course, the 9th and 10th reg... 9th and 10th... No, those were cavalry regiments. They were officially disbanded in, I think, Fort uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, that was in 1941, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The even after nineteen forty-four, see World War One and World War Two, I'm sorry, forty-four to forty-six, mm-hmm. and the soldiers of uh, the ninety-second and the ninety-third, they still carry that name Buffalo Soldier. And they were proud to carry that name Buffalo Soldier. But when the segregation ended, the ninety second and the ninety third, they were disbanded and all those soldiers they were merged into other units. So there
0: was no more a ninety second or a ninety third or a Buffalo Soldier unit after nineteen forty eight or fifty three. So we're at forty two minutes. Okay, we we probably got another fifteen minutes or so, or ten minutes. As the uh-huh. Buffalo Soldiers were disbanded, somehow they the. The next generation or decades later, they began to form clubs. And you're in a club, correct, the Buffalo Soldiers. What does your group uh-huh. do?
1: We try to keep their story alive with the Buffalo Soldiers because there's so much that was not taught about uh, the Buffalo Soldiers. So we take it upon ourselves to learn as much about the Buffalo Soldiers, go out and do presentations, do reenactments, tell their story. We have to keep their stories alive.
0: Because there are other groups, though, and, and that's when I even asked you in our pre-interview. There's other soldier Buffalo soldiers groups, but a lot of those we, you have to watch for. It could be a motorcycle group or a hog group or something like that. But you really right. have to make sure we're watching for you, the historic groups. Where can we find you? Like if I said, you know, Mike, I'm, you know, Charles, I'd like to join your group. Where where can we find you?
1: Okay. Every state in the United States has a Buffalo Soldier organization, whether it's a motorcycle group or a a group like mine. We're historic. The motorcycle groups, they um, broadcast, if that's the word I want to use now, that they are motorcyclists. They ride motorcycles. Those in my, like me, we, of course, we don't have anything to do with the motor. I mean, we did not have the motorcycle logo. So maybe that's the way that you can determine whether we are motorcyclists or not. Now for person, there are a lot of people ask me or call me, email me, want to join, you know, the Buffalo Soldiers. So if I receive an email from someone in California, I would recommend them or send them to a California uh-huh. Buffalo Uh, soldier organization or michigan now we do have soldiers in our organization in ohio michigan uh, colorado but if normally if someone wants to join i would try to uh, route them to a unit within their state so when they want to participate in meetings etc you know it's more convenient for them to to participate in their their Mm -hmm. location The same thing for guys in Phoenix, as far away as Phoenix. I would recommend those guys to a club in Phoenix, which is closer to them, so they can actually attend their meetings rather than come all the way down to Sierra Vista.
0: Is there, if they wanted to contact you, if they had a question, um, Mm -hmm. or in their research, can they do so? Oh, absolutely. We we... have a website. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes,
1: we have a website, and I get... uh, Comments and re- inquiries almost on a weekly basis, searching for for information. Yes, and you can reach us at our organization is SWA Buffalo B U F F A L O Soldiers S O L D I E R S dot O R G
0: swabuffalosoldiers.org Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. Cuz
0: our- honestly, that's how I got a hold of you was through a uh, messaging through your group.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Was there as we wrap this one up in all of your research was there anything that you found or read or located that was so profound it cha- it, chained, it changed Charles Hancock.
1: From my perspective of Buffalo Soldiers, as I mentioned earlier, when I go to Nogales, the people mm. that I meet in Nogales, now that has had a profound impact on me. Now I look at a lot of people there a little differently now because prior to January this year, I looked at most of the brown-skinned people as Mexicans. I did not uh, uh, equate them to buffalo soldiers. Well, now I have a different perspective of those. I'm doing some research about Camp Naco, if you're familiar with Camp Naco. Uh-huh. So I, so my next project is to see if I can find descendants of the buffalo soldiers who were stationed at Camp Naco. Hmm.
0: And for those that don't know, tell us where Camp Naco was at. That's in Bisbee. In Bisbee, it's down. It's between Bisbee, I think, Bisbee and Douglas. Uh, or is it closer to it, Bisbee?
1: It's right in Bisbee. No, yeah, okay. like, it's it's in Bisbee. So you have Naco, Naco, Mexico, mm-hmm. and this side of the border we have Bisbee.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. When when the Buffalo, <laughs> I, I got a million questions in my head. They're, I'm stuck on. On stuff. I'm not even going to bring it. I won't even bring it up to you guys anymore because it'll, it'll make us go too long. Uh, is there any books that you recommend? Because one of the hardest things that I had was going to the library and I actually found a book called The Buffalo Soldiers, A Narrative of the Black Soldier by William H. Lecky was surely Lecky.
1: Okay, right. That would be one that I would recommend. William Leakey,
0: the Leakey. Buffalo soldier. That's uh-huh, the one read I'm reading you. now. Is there okay. any other ones out there that you would recommend, especially for somebody that doesn't know? Because I didn't know
1: uh-huh. that
0: you would say, okay. "Listen, this is a good book for you to read." That's
1: a good book. The another one that I would recommend was by Frank Schubert. It's called Black Valor. Buffalo Soldiers and the Medal of Honor. So Frank Schubert, I would recommend that. And the book is called Black Ballot. Okay. Cornelius Smith wrote a book about the Buffalo Soldier. I don't have the title. I have the book in my garage, so I don't have the, the title. But if you Google Cornelius Smith Jr., he's a form one of the foremost authors or authorities on the Buffalo Soldiers. There's also an author and Buffalo Soldier historian lives in Tucson. His name is John Langolier. Again, I don't have John's uh, contact information at hand right now, but those would be some of the ones that I would recommend.
0: Gotcha. So I so I got a winner from uh, the library. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh-huh. It's it's. I'm gonna end up buying the book because there's just too much there for reference. So we're going to wrap this up. We're at 15 minutes. Uh, again, I want to thank Mr. Hancock, and I want to thank him for his his service um, in military and keeping America free, um, especially in times today with Ukraine and Russia, freedom is, is sought after and is more important than ever. Um, I want to thank my friends over the Wild West History Association. You can do so, become a member at uh, wildwesthistory.org. I want to thank my friends over at the Tombstone Epitaph at tombstoneepitaph.com. That's a great way to join and get a little piece of Arizona history mailed right to your door. And, of course, if you guys have been following for any length of time, I want to thank the folks at the St. Mary's Food Bank who um, uh, we donate to, uh, $5.00 will create 35 meals. It's actually a dollar will either create seven meals or feed seven people. Um, so, you know, $5 does 35 meals or 35 people or, you know, 100 bucks is 700. Oh my gosh, it's crazy what $100 can do. And if you can't afford it, you know, volunteer your time at a food bank near you because there's folks all over, including down in Cochise County and Sierra Vista and Tombstone and wherever that are just needing some help and support and if you live somewhere where there's a food bank i urge you to donate and maybe go down and spend some time because man that's just it's just they're great people doing great work is there a, a charity that that you as a group that you support that you want to do a shout out to
1: we don't have a charity but one of the things that we do we have a program called the spirit of the buffalo soldier awards pre- uh, presentation what we do we um, that's a word I want to use. Um, coordinate with the Fort Huachuca Unified School District and the Sierra Vista Cochise County Unified School District, and we collaborate with these schools. Any student who start off the school year failing, and before they uh, before they you know, the end of the school year, they improve their grade point by at least one grade point. We award them with a certificate and a Spirit of the Buffalo Soldier Award yeah, at the end of their school year. Wow, I
0: love that. I love that. How can how can that not be a great thing for somebody?
1: It is, it is great. When I see parents and even grandparents that meet me in Walmart. Mm-hmm. Or- prize or somebody hey you're that buffalo soldier guy i want to tell you what that award meant to my son daughter or grandson or daughter yeah so we get a lot of positive feedback you know from that program
0: well i i love that so you guys you know if you're looking for something uh, food banks you know contact charles look at the charities that uh that he's doing great work down down in sierra vista um, I don't know. If, for me, if you want to leave a, uh, my podcast, a rating and a review, that helps me. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me for any reason, you can do so through my blue collar email of HVAC Reefer Guy at gmail.com. That's H V A C R E F E R G U I Guy at gmail.com. That's my blue collar email. And, again, if you're uh, listening, you know, just give a shout-out on iTunes or rating a review. That just helps me out a bunch for getting the podcast out to folks. Uh, Anything else, sir, that you wanted to to let us know about before we go?
1: No, we'll look forward to another presentation where we'll dig dig a little deeper into maybe one or two specific individuals.
0: And and maybe we can do it face-to-face. I'll come down to Sierra Vista, and I'll bring a box of donuts, and we'll sit across the table. Uh you're on. Look at, I knew it. I knew it. All right, you guys. Well, thanks a bunch. Um, we appreciate you and until next time, safe travels.